This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, the culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 186 of Fireside. Today, or tonight, on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a story with a rather gruesome name. It sounds like a horror movie, but it is in fact a tale of the Fianna of Era. This is The Hill of Slaughter. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If you're just throwing this episode on, why don't you listen to this episode, then see what we've been building up to in the last couple of months, or even the very beginning, nearly 200 years, 200 years ago, 200 episodes ago over the last four years nearly of Fireside and if you're a returning listener thank you so much for your continued support all the usual things if you haven't done so already follow me on Instagram at firesidebard or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com those are the best places to get in touch to drop me a line business or personal inquiries those are the places to get me ways you can support the podcast you can spread the good name of the podcast by telling your friends about it sharing it on your story my personal favorite way is you can buy my book Garden Sea a neo-myth of home my book of poetry can be shipped in paper paperback all around the world or can be bought in kindle form instantly from amazon all the links are in the description below thank you so much for all those who keep to keep on buying that and if you want to sponsor the podcast directly or support the podcast directly you can do so by joining headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com all the links are in the description below no hard sells on any of those it is strange and a wonderful delight to be recording for you once again back in my home studio setup Uh, Back in Wicklow in Ireland, I'm back home for a little while now, having just returned home from Australia a couple of weeks ago. I was over in London last week, um, down in the south of Ireland, Kerry, doing a gig over the weekend, or last weekend, and I'm just back here, still figuring out my movements for the next couple of months, filling the calendar back up before I head back on the road again, and then find a more permanent base again for the first time since really before COVID. It's been a very nomadic experience over the last uh, year or so or even two years and um, which I've been very very fortunate to be able to do as the world is coming coming out of COVID uh, but now looking forward to getting a, a space of my own again but also wonderful to be back in the the lovely home setup I have that I'm very grateful to have in my in my home home uh, where all of Garden Sea was written and where like many podcasts were written and recorded and where I'm currently finishing work on uh, a novel, uh, which would be the next thing, which I look forward to telling you about in more detail once it's finally out of my system, um, hopefully in the next couple of months. 
Um, but yeah, no, so it's a lovely, warm, cozy room to be back in. It's nice not to be dependent on uh, on a hotel room or a dressing room for acoustics. It's nice to even I have a I have a mic stand again, and I can do this hands free, not having to hold my condenser mic in my hand. But so that gives you a little image. I've got my candle lighting. Uh, it's nighttime, all nice and cozy and warm in here to set you up for a lovely Fenian tale. The story for today is yet another one, and I'm delighted now because we'll actually get a couple out of this. Um, we're continuing to adapt uh, this John Hawkins Simpson adaptation directly from the Irish of the poems of Oisin, the Bard, and the Fianna, which uh, the more and more I take from it, which as regular listeners will know, like I found to study the Battle of Ventry, um, but for an older and stuffier is the word I would usually use for certain things like the Lady Gregory style of Kiltartan English to a contemporary reader, and while it is written like that, there's a real, real clarity to his adaptation for uh, an adaptation directly from the Irish. And the sense of character really comes across. And we've really got to explore a lot of the characters of the Fianna that we've only really got glimpses of in our previous looks. And it really does continue to fill out the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology. And this story is no exception. And this story will birth further a further couple of tales that will take us right up to episode 190, alternating with a couple of folk tales from the treasury of Irish fairy and folk tales. All feels, again, very grassroots stuff here, but a wonderful tale. I hope you enjoy. We will chat more about it afterwards, of course. But this is The Hill of Slaughter on Fireside. The Hill of Slaughter Once Fionn McCool and the Fianna were sustaining a period of great peace and prosperity throughout era. But no peace can last too long, especially not when you are an island that boasts the greatest warriors in the world. Sooner or later, others will want to prove that they can be better. A druid came to Fionn and said, O great lord of the Fianna, I sense a great misery is to come from across the sea that will spell doom for the Fianna. What are you talking about? asked Fionn. Right now the Fianna have no enemies beneath the sky. Why do you think that would suddenly end? Yes, look at the sky, Fionn, said the druid. See how the clouds separate and form the shapes of drops and bursts and rivers of blood. Fionn looked up and indeed now believed the druid that danger was approaching Era, and it was coming for the Fianna. So Fionn summoned his grandson Oscar and sounded the Dord Fian, the horn of the Fianna, to assemble the entire host of Era's warrior clan. Fionn did not sleep until all were assembled. The Ermado Divna, Conan and Gol MacMorna, and his own son Oshin. Fionn asked each one of the Fianna if they were prepared for battle. They always were. Even after this extended period of peace, each one kept their wits as keen as their swords. Fionn asked Conan Whale MacMorna, Conan, you are the loudest of us, and your call can be heard all over the island. 
Will you patrol the coastlines and give out a cry if you see anyone approaching? I will not go out by my own, Fionn, while all of you remain safe and sleeping in your beds. Your commander and leader gave you an order, Conan, roared Oshin, of the dreadful and unforgiving deeds. That was not a request, you coward. You should leap at the chance to do something for the Fianna and for us all. You're right, Oscar. It is Fionn who is my commander, not you, as much as you may want it. So do me a favor and pipe down. If I'm not mistaken, Fionn did ask a question of me, not give me an order. If it's a question, I refuse. If it's an order, I will obey. The honor and the duty of Clan Morna will never be in question. All right, Conan, said Fionn. You're right, I could order you. But if you are not comfortable scouting on your own, then perhaps you would prefer another, yet just as vital, task. My youngest son, little Hugh, is too young to be able to answer the call of the Dorth Fionn. The well-being of my children is as important to me as the well-being of Era. So little Hugh should be sent for and defended by one of our greatest warriors. This seemed to rile Conan Whale up even more, just as Fionn had intended. Do you take me for some kind of babysitter, Fionn? I take you for a loyal warrior of the Fianna. I have made two requests of you. Either scout the island or go to little Hugh. It's your choice. Ever the one to look for the easiest way out, Conan swallowed his pride and went to fetch little Hugh. The youngest of Fionn's children was not even ten years old, far younger than his grandchildren by Oshin. But little Hugh was every bit a future member of the Fianna, with his mix of God's blood and deer's soul and Irish soil, little Hugh was curious, fearless and kind. Even Conan Whale's cold exterior slightly softened at the sight of this little future warrior. With the defences being prepped, Fionn McCool finally slept. In his dream, Fionn began to see a small figure emerging and coming into focus. It was little Hugh. But Fionn was horrified to see his youngest son was headless as a Samhain feast. Next, the Lord of the Fianna saw Gull McMorna fighting against a warrior who seemed to be part man and part beast. Before Fionn could deduce any further details, he awoke in a dreadful sweat. A druid was immediately summoned, and Fionn gave the details of the dream. This does indeed harbour blood, said the druid once he had heard Fionn out. I imagine danger will be at our shores tomorrow. We must all be ready. But the two souls you mentioned seeing in the dream, Gull and Little Hugh, they are hereby protected by enchantment and safe from harm. The next morning, Fionn once again sounded the Dord Fien, and all the warriors assembled once more. Conan Muel had spent the evening sleeping in a cave with Little Hugh to keep the boy out of harm's way. But when Conan heard the Fiena's horn, he got up and whether thoughtlessly or intentionally, left Fionn McCool's son behind. When Conan Muel arrived, Oscar said, 
Where is my uncle, Conan? Where is little Hugh? Little Hugh is old enough to look after himself, cried Conan. I am no childminder. I am a warrior. And I have no love for him or you, Oscar. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, Conan. I will kill you in your sleep one of these days. And Oscar used his battle speed and killer instinct to rush to the rescue of little Hugh. Oscar found his child uncle standing at the entrance of the cave, totally contented. Little Hugh, said Oscar, why did you let the bald man run off on you? There's great danger ahead. I'm not afraid of swords and shields, said little Hugh. I know you're not, said Oscar, embracing his uncle. But you also need to remember who you are and how much error will depend on you one day. Now come along. Oscar took little Hugh back to Fionnbacool and the collected Fianna prepared for an unknown invasion. The next morning a ship did indeed arrive, but aboard was not an army or a monster, but a beautiful young woman. In a desperate state she begged to be taken to see the leader of the Fianna. Fionn asked this vision for her name and tale. My name is Neem, said the girl, and I am pursued by my husband. Who is your husband? asked Fionn, disappointed this beauty was married. And why do you run from him? He is a monster. I am princess to a king of Greece, and I was promised to Talia Mactran, Talia the Strong. He is the son of a mighty king, but he is a beast in more ways than one. He has the build and body and initial appearance of a man, but the tail, the ears, and the whiskers of a cat. Fionn's alarm at this strange description was undercut by his realization that this cat king must have been the beast from his dream. The princess went on. I have sailed to countless islands and kingdoms, but I have always been sent away. Either no one believes me, or they don't care, or wisely, they fear my monstrous husband. Well, fear not, Princess Niam, said Fionn, for you are now under the protection of the Fianna and we will never let any harm come to you. We will await and defeat this Cat King. And long the Fianna did not have to wait before the drums and horns of war were heard off the east coast of the island, and the standard of a cat was patterned on the ship's sails, and to the shores of Era came the mighty king, Talia the Strong. He was tall and well-built, with full armor and cloaks and weaponry, but his skin was covered with black fur, and his eyes glowed with the slightest flicker of light. He looked agile and deadly, and he proved to be so. Fionn sent one thousand of the best first line of defence the Fianna had, the first action many of them had seen in years. None of these were mere grunts, but not one of them was a match for the King of Cats. The cat proved himself capable of pouncing great heights and moving on both two legs and four. But his thumbs were opposable, and he wielded a sword in one hand and a spear in the other with great ease. Each one of the thousand troops fell by the claw and steel of the cat king. There was only one warrior who would be any match for this foe. Only one warrior was as fast as he was strong, as nimble as he was deadly, proud yet bloodthirsty, 
Only one warrior of the Fiena displayed the characteristics of a cat, and that was the greatest of them all, Fionn's grandson, Oscar. Oscar of the Dreadful Deeds met the King of Cats in battle. They were as fast as each other, but Oscar knew he had to keep the battle to one of armed combat. Oscar usually enjoyed when it came time to down weapons and wrestle to the death, but this was a cat he was fighting. If both fighters lost their weapons, the Cat King would easily claw Oscar to death. So this day, the spear and sword had to remain in Oscar's hands. And for five whole days they did. Five whole days without rest or pause or healing or sleep, Oscar and the Cat King fought while all of the Fianna looked on, including little Hugh, who cheered for his nephew Oscar. The Cat King seemed to have the mixed stock and blood that Oscar and Fionn and Oshin and Little Hugh had. The Cat King was man and cat and seemingly god. But Oscar was man and god and deer. And after five days, the strength of the stag, of the doe his father had been born to, filled up the heart of Oscar and with a final swing of his sword took the head from the Cat King and avenged the fallen thousand of the Fianna. The warrior clans gave three cheers up for Oscar, who had once again protected the period of peace. But one who should have cheered, but who did not, was the princess. She looked out on the battlefield and was racked with guilt at the horror endured on her behalf. The princess collapsed dead on the spot. Fionn held her body and wept. Try as he did, he could never protect them all. The Fianna would always defend, but the more their reputation grew, the more people wanted to take it away. And the spot where Princess Neam died was forevermore known as the Hill of Slaughter. To be continued. Hello, my name is Stephanie Preisner and I'm here to tell you about my show, Basically. It's all in the name, really. The show makes things basic for people. We've done episodes about world religions. We've done episodes about COVID. We've done episodes, a lot of episodes about mental health and different aspects of mental health to make things accessible to people. One of the great things about the podcast is that you can contact me and let me know what topics you would like. So have a listen, see if anything tickles your fancy. And if there's something there that you think is missing, please get in touch with the show. We'll cover the topic and then you can listen to it. We're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, so you can find us on headstuffpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. And there we have the fabulous tale of the Hill of Slaughter on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, a lovely surprise of a tale to find here. One that actually continues to grow. It's very self-contained in itself. But this story does go on in other self-contained ways, which I'm very excited about because we will get another couple of stories about this. And the couple of things that I like about it straight off the bat. Number one, I've spoken numerous times that my favorite of the Fianna is Oscar. And Oscar is... He's very interesting because he's Fionn's grandson. And it's really like it's Oscar within context that I love so much. So you have 
Fionn as this near godlike warrior, this like undefeatable, like basically invincible, perfect warrior who's as beautiful as he is strong. And then you have his son, Ushin, who is a poet. And he is a great warrior and he's very noble and beautiful and all of that. But primarily, Ushin is a poet. He is the storyteller. He is the protector of the lore. He is the one who outlives them all, who lives for another 300 years from going to Tirnanog and coming back and dictates the story of the Fianna to St. Patrick. And this entire story, actually, this entire section of this book by John Hawkins Simpson, adapted by John Hawkins Simpson, a link is always is in the description below if you want to check it out. This is all dictated as dialogue between Ushin and Patrick, which is incredible. It almost reads like a stage play or something like Amadeus, where it's flashing back to the present moment, to the conversation between Patrick and Ushin, and then flashing back to this victory where Patrick's asking questions about what happens next and they're having arguments about about metaphysics about like who is greater God or the Fianna it's wonderful wonderful stuff and has my brain turning an awful lot as something to do as like a big special whether for a live show or like some kind of finale or anniversary to to Fireside um, but leave that all with me but it makes um, it for very very interesting reading and very very interesting to adapt from so from that we have then, we have Oscar, who is Oshin's son and Fionn's grandson. So in a strange way, everything that makes Fionn Fionn um, is passed down, it skips a generation to Oscar. And even Oshin's contemporary, Dermot Odivna, Dermot is considered to be the great warrior, and he's the greatest of the Fianna before the arrival of Oscar. But Oscar is also, he is portrayed with this, and I've definitely added it to, to my Oscar. He's, of all of my Fenian characters, he's the one I've definitely put a lot in and, and one I think is quite consistent because he can be seen as sort of this deus ex machina, you know, that he is just the one who's brought in at the end to mop everything up. But he is very different because Fionn has a wisdom to him and a, a great restraint, whereas Oscar is younger and just wants to fight and can back up everything. So in many ways, Oscar is a lot more like Cúchulán than he is like Fionn McCool. But in this story, we also get introduced to another McCool or another one of Fionn's clan. And that is someone who I'd never even come across before this story. I've tried looking up. I haven't been able to find it. So please do let me know, anyone out there, if you've come across this character. And that is Little Hugh. This is this unknown youngest child of... Uh, of Fionn McCool who I just loved and who will feature in these later stories as well so don't worry we will get more of Little Hugh Little Hugh is the new MVP of Fireside and not only did he serve as this because we get this great play again John Hawkins Simpson's treatment of Conan Whale getting to turn him into this kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger character this comic foil in all of them and even giving him his own spin-off stories has also been one of my great joys here and, and here's no exception where we get this Conan not wanting to put himself on the line by going out and fighting and uh, having to call to let them know of danger. So instead, he's assigned to be a babysitter, uh, at which he also balks at and also fails at. But through this, we don't just get this like side story, this B-plot, but we also get a wonderful moment for Oscar, with Oscar going to take, going to fetch Little Hugh, who is his uncle, who is, Oscar is about 20, 25, by my understanding, 
Um, he's definitely on the younger side, but there's no age given for little Hugh, but he seems to be very young. So I'd say he's 10 at most. It seemed easy to give him a 10 where he was like old enough to know what's going on, but obviously still far too young to join in the battle, unless he was, of course, Cúchulain. Um, but we get this moment of Oscar going in and to reminding little Hugh that he is the future of the house, which gives the whole thing a kind of poignancy and tragedy as well, and also gives Oscar more of a character rather than just coming in and being great. But I also... Battles, especially battles upon battles, can be trickier to describe without just going into a series of cliches of the clash of steel and, and the drawing of blood and all this kind of stuff. But when you get this incredible foe in this cat king... Um, this Prince of Cats, as uh, Tybalt is in Romeo and Juliet, was literally a beast. The imagination just ran wild. Like, there is nothing in the story that I adapted it from about any of the Cat King's fighting style. It literally just says what he looks like. He doesn't speak. You don't hear of him, you know, pouncing or whether he just uses his claws or uses his swords. So I could really let my imagination run wild with him. And that also then made me have to question what would it be that made Oscar finally defeat him because these battles tend to just be, when, especially when they're adapted from poems, they just tend to say they fought for five days and eventually Oscar gained the upper hand and he won. Um, so not very, very interesting, especially if Oscar always wins. So I thought, why would why would it be after five days that Oscar would finally get the upper hand? And I thought, well, well, for one, he'd think to keep his arms because he knew that like a lot of these battles, a lot of the battles of Ventry, they ended in wrestling, and the Fianna liked their wrestling as a lot of the Celtic warriors do. So he knew he couldn't wrestle a cat because he would get his ass would get clawed up. So he needed to keep it to a battle of swords and spears, and. Then I love to be able to bring it back to the stag's blood to make it cat versus stag. It made it very like a song of ice and fire or something like to have the dragon's blood, the wolf's blood, the deer's blood. And Oshin would have that and Oscar would have that that stag's blood in him. His father, Oshin, was born as a deer. His mother, Sai, was turned into one. Like Fionn himself, they are like so embedded in hunting culture. And so like he is part animal himself and he could use that wild animal tendency to have that staying power and that longevity in battle. And you almost picture that antlers erupting from Oscar's head as he finally is able to defeat this, um, this cat king. And after he falls, we have this princess who... I'm actually quite glad because I looked up Dulcas, which is the folklore commission, which has a lot of free sources on it. Um, a lot of them come from handwritten or aural tales, and then there's usually like a transcript translation of them. Um, but I found one on the this story on the hill of slaughter. I was glad because in the John Hawkins Simpsons version, the princess is called Beautiful Young Face, and there's a term in screenwriting called lampshading, um, which is where you draw attention where the writer draws attention to something not quite making sense or being silly. Um, and it's a way of kind of getting around it, of letting the audience know that you know that it's that's silly. And I've definitely done a good bit of that on this podcast and I've kind of changed my mind about it a little bit. 
I think if the story is like intentionally very comical, you can play around with that. And I've played around with like the voice of the storyteller and things. But lampshading, I think, is something that is kind of destroying cinema at the moment, like especially with Marvel movies or like the later series of Game of Thrones to get back to A Song of Ice and Fire, where like when things don't make any sense whatsoever, the writers think it's enough to just say that it doesn't make any sense. And then the audience goes, well, at least the writers aren't idiots. You know, they know it is kind of a cheat um, unless it's used like very, very delicately. All. So I, I had my first opportunity uh I think it's because House of the Dragon has started now and I've kind of been thinking about the catastrophe at the end of Game of Thrones and just kind of where we are with the Marvel movies at the moment a lot recently. And it's my first time around. That would have been a place where I usually would have drawn attention to the fact that it was a princess called Beautiful Young Face. And that was ridiculous. Um, But I was going to leave it at it is. But then I found like Princess Neem and then I was able to eradicate that entirely. But it was an interesting part of the the writing process of this, which I was interested in sharing, as is, this is the craft and culture of storytelling as well. But yeah, this was this was a really fun one. Um, and of course, yes, we get that, that ending with Princess Neem, where she falls dead on the spot from the site. And that is why the story, the place is called the Hill of Slaughter, which apparently is a place near Hoth in County Dublin. Um, if you're on the lookout for your Hill of Slaughter, which is a Beautiful, beautiful place um, in in North County, Dublin, right on the coastline. A beautiful spot, great place to go for a swim and all. Uh, it's where James Joyce went on his first date with his future wife, Nora Barnacle. Um, and that is apparently where the Hill of Slaughter is. But this is a new kind of, not saga, but this is the beginning of something. We will see the, these characters within this context again. And I'm very excited because there was a lot to talk about with this, actually. Um we get uh, we get a kind of Pax Romana here as well, which was another thing that piqued my interest in the beginning. Pax Romana was the period of Roman peace uh, that was under Ent- Emperor Augustus following the, the Civil War, which erupted after the death of Julius Caesar. Um, there were these like 40 years of peace. And that was interesting to me that for all that Fionn McCool and the Fionn are constantly having to fight, um, they... Um, no, never seemed to have a period of peace. And this very specifically said that this was following this period of peace, which I found very interesting because it, it raised a kind of Batman ethics question. I'm re- a lot of pop culture references in this one, unusually. Um, in Batman, particularly in the most recent Batman, the Robert Pattinson one, it talks about the ethical question of a superhero creating more crime than they can possibly solve because when you have a big bad or something to fight against, that's going to give more people reason to rise up against it. And that I loved, I'd never thought about the ethics of the Fianna before, which is one of the reasons why the High King of Ireland wanted to destroy the Fianna again, which which they then did do, um, which you can re-listen to about like way back in like episode 20 or something when we first looked at the Fianna cycle. But it's given that, new meaning a new kind of context for when i inevitably uh revisit some of those classic tales um because like whenever whenever fireside does wrap up i certainly want to wrap up with like depending on how many there is at that stage but like that last the last year or last few months of it i do have always had the interest in revisiting some of those like very old tales all with all that i know now and with all the additional kind of skill i would like to think that i have 
um, some of the ones that maybe weren't recorded right or weren't like written well enough or just even by my own standards um, or by yours, um, yours dear listeners. So yeah, let me know what you think of that and it might go a call out that if you wanted to do me a series of like classic revisions, rewritten and retold stories uh, with a whole new context, I think that would be a lovely way to end Fireside when that may be. But we won't talk about that because that'll be a good while away from now. Um, but that is, we'll wrap things up there. But that is The Hill of Slaughter. Wonderful, very exciting one to talk about. Had a lot of fun with this one. Had a lot of fun with the discussion as well, as I hope you can tell. Um, so all the usual things. Follow me on Instagram at Farside Barrett. Email me at thefiresidebarrett at gmail.com if you have any questions, thoughts, queries. Buy my book, Garden Sea. It can be delivered everywhere in the world in paperback or instantly on Kindle version on Amazon. Um, support the podcast at headstuffpodcast.com for joining Headstuff Plus for as little as 10 euro or 5 euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. Um, all the links are in the description below. Next week, we have another folk tale. We have one uh, called Horse Piper. Uh, a new name uh, I was I was finding fun with, uh, also from a treasury of Irish fairy folk tales about a young piper who was transformed into a horse. Uh, and you will see all about that and more next week. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 